Good morning. <laughs> Happy New Year. We're glad you guys are here. How many of you learned how to drive a car with a stick shift? Anybody? Yeah, but I'll bet you didn't do it in Denver where you got mountains and snow and stuff. Do you realize that our kids, while well, I'm ranting, I mean, I'm ranting within the first 30 seconds. <laughs> our kids are never going to have the privilege of learning to drive with a stick shift. In fact, our kids will have driverless cars. You know, how, how bad is that? Anyway, hey, it's great that you're here. I, listen, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus, especially in the upper state, because I'm going to give you an opportunity to laugh at us, not with us, but at us on how we reacted to a few inches of snow that you get all the time, all right? But uh, we're glad that you're here, maybe uh, on the internet. I know who you are. You're in your pajamas. You got a cup of coffee. You're sitting by the campfire there the, in your uh, living room. What do they call that? Fireplace. <laughs> and you're watching online, and you live right here in Charleston. You should be here. What's wrong with you? No, we're glad you're here. You're there, wherever. We couldn't fit you here right now. Anyway, we're working on that. Uh, hey, listen, uh, before I get into what I want to talk about today, I just wanted to give you an update because I, I thought I'd forget about it if I didn't get it right at the front end. Uh, building. Uh, we're expanding. If you're new to the church, uh, we're about doubling the capacity uh, here uh, right next door. And uh, I had challenged all of us that for the Christmas season, in the month of December, we needed a million dollars in the building fund in order to, you know, stay on track with where we're going, and, uh, and we didn't get it. Uh, we got $1.25 million. <laughs> you, guys are, you, guys are, you guys are so generous. And plus, we actually hit the budget this month, so it wasn't just shifting from here to here, and, um, and that's exciting. And so, uh, in the... Uh, we hope, we're, we're going to be in by Christmas of this next year. We have another one and three quarter million dollars to go. So we're on the back stretch. So what I want to say to you is thank you and keep giving, all right? So that, that's kind of where we are. <laughs> so, so how many of you would say the first week of 2018 didn't go exactly like I had expected or planned? Anybody here? Yeah, it's been crazy. Uh, this changed everything, right? Do you remember, okay, so, so they started predicting, do, do you guys watch on like your smartphone or the computer or whatever, the weather, you know, like 10-day weather things, I, I watch those things, and, and they started predicting, somebody said to me, hey, there's this picture of a snowflake, you know, sometime, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, right, and so I keep watching it, moves around day to day, one day it's gone, and then it's back, and I'm thinking, huh, this ain't gonna happen, Right? And then they were saying, okay, on Wednesday, prepare for an inch to inch and a half of snow. Do you remember that? How hard could that be? Well, it was really hard. It was, it was incredible. I mean, winter storm Grayson proved to be a lot bigger than we thought. The schools are closed for an extra week. Kids are loving that. Parents are pulling their hair out. Uh, you know, the airport the airport was closed down for three days. In fact, we have a mission team going to India today that was supposed to go earlier this week, and they're on their way to Atlanta right now because they cannot get a flight out of Charleston to go where they're going. The city was basically shut down 
for, you know, several days. In fact, still, you know, they're going, oh, be careful about getting out on the roads. What's up with this? You know, I mean, but it was a big storm, and it is a big storm. And the truth is, is that it's possible that we may face a few more unexpected storms this year. We may get another snowstorm. Probably not. I mean, this is, I've been here 30 years. It's the third, like, kind of big snowstorm that we've gotten. Um, we could get a hurricane. I hope not. But, you know, I, I will say um, that we probably will get some relational storms in our life this year. I hate to say that, but you'll probably have some rogue winds time to time. Might have a financial storm or two. Could be a physical storm. And so what can we learn from what we've just been through? We're starting a new series called Shift, and the whole idea is that you don't have to make major changes because a lot of people at the beginning of the year, I love the first series of the year. Let me just say that. It's my favorite one of the year because it's hope-filled and everybody's kind of got faith for what's going to happen. But we try to make too big of changes and then we get frustrated and we kind of fall off the, the bandwagon a little bit. And, and in order to uh, really impact what God has for you and wants for you this year, it's just small shifts just small shifts. And so we're going to go through in the series some small shifts in various areas of our life. And I had prepared a really good message to start it off, and then the snowstorm happened. And I woke up on Friday morning, and I was looking at uh, national news, and it said that Charleston had survived a bomb cyclone snowstorm. <laughs> I didn't even know what a bomb cyclone snowstorm was, but apparently we survived it. And I thought, we need to talk about it on the weekend. If it's that big of a deal, we need to learn from it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some shift principles, but I want to talk a little bit about just frankly how we can spiritually apply some of the lessons of the last week. Does that sound all right? It better because that's what we're doing. All right, so, so here we go. How to survive a bomb cyclone snowstorm. Here's the first one. When you don't have the right equipment, it doesn't take much to shut down the system. How many of you would agree with that? Like, like this right here. Did you see that? I don't think that's a real picture. <laughs> but it's funny, isn't it? I, it actually kind of looked like that. I mean, how many of you are from a place or have lived in a place where they actually have snow regularly and they prepare for it? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I grew up in Colorado, spent eight and a half years in purgatory in northern Illinois and uh, in a small city up there. And even in the small city, little city, they have this massive, massive snow uh, kind of plow that throws out sand and plows and does all of that. And they start it before the storm ever starts. And, you know, a, a snowstorm like we just had would be like, that's nothing in a place like that. But the difference is, is we're not ready for it. And I'm not proposing that we should be. It'd be poor stewardship to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on snow equipment that we use every 10 years. Would you agree with that? But it does make it a little bit easier to, uh, to handle if you have the right equipment. It has been fun watching people uh, improvise here in uh, Charleston. L- look at this. This is uh, how you use a... That is not a snowblower. For those of you, you know, maybe that have never been away from this area, that's a leaf blower 
but it looked all, it did all right. Look at this one. Look at this one. Here's a guy trying to scrape his driveway with a card table, okay? <laughs> card table, card table just doing it like that. You guys know what this is right here? Somebody said a canoe paddle. No, that's a, that's a snow shovel, actually. Um, yesterday, I decided I'm going to dig my wife's car out. And, you know, three, four days later, she still, she parked in the shade. She still got all this snow. I thought, how am I going to do that? I went in the garage, and this is what I had, and it worked pretty good. Uh, some of you had much worse. You were using all kinds of stuff. But we improvise, you know. The same applies to your life. A lot of people struggle in life because they don't have the right equipment. They try to tackle a winter storm in beachwear. Do we have a picture of that? No, we don't have that. That's all right. But uh, so, so, so what we want to do at Seacoast this year, we try to do it every year, and we're going to try to be even more focused than in any year in the past, is we want to equip you for success in the kingdom. We want you to have the right tools, the right equipment. We don't want you to have to use a canoe paddle for a, for a snow, you know, a, a snow shovel. We want you to have the right equipment. We believe that everybody needs to, first of all, know God. Maybe in your process, it's finding God. You need to find God because that's the center of everything. It's the beginning of wisdom is knowing God. So we want to help you do that. We've got some series playing. We've got some messages that will gear specifically to that. Growing in your faith. Everybody needs to grow in their faith. Um, and you know what? That's best done in community. And as uh, we're going to explain a little bit toward the end of the message today, that the, this is the best weekend of the year you could have been here to expand your community circle. We want to help you to do that because we grow best in community, you can go off and read the Bible by yourself, listen, you know, to podcasts or whatever it is that you do. But you really grow when you come in contact with other people. The Bible says, "Iron sharpens iron," and so grow in your faith. Uh, discover your purpose. I believe that everybody here. We believe this with a passion that everybody here has a purpose. Did you know that you could have been born at any time in history? You could have lived anywhere in the world, but you live right here, right now, and Acts chapter 16 says that God knows that and designed that and has a purpose for you right where you're at right now. And what you need to do is discover your purpose. One of the ways you do that, and this is a great Sunday to be here, um, I, was, I was driving down the road yesterday with uh, my oldest grandson, Miles, he's 10 years old, and, and he, he says, oh, Dad, uh, Papa, he said, is this the first Sunday of the month? And I said, yeah, it's the first Sunday of the month. He said, great, awesome. I said, why is that awesome? And he said, because, because they do inside track on the first Sunday of every month. And that's where every month you can kind of hitch on and kind of figure out some of these things. We talk about who we are as a church, who you are as a person, what your gifts are, and how you can make a difference with your gifts. I thought, Man, a 10-year-old that is looking forward to inside track, that's pretty incredible. I said, that's cool. Why do you like it so much? He said, well, they serve donuts there. And <laughs> he just cruises through, and he knows, it's kind of like your dog, they have kind of a pattern, and he knows that first Sunday of the month, if he'll just cruise through, grab a donut, leave, he'll be good. So you could do that, but 
Anyway, discover your purpose. And then make a difference. Make a difference. God wants you, more than anything else this year, to make a difference in that kind of arena that he has planted you in. It might be a few square feet at work, or it might be in your home. It could be in school. It might be on a sports team. But he wants you to make a difference. And we want to equip you this year so that you have the right equipment. Here's the second thing that we can learn is it's the things that you don't see that present the biggest danger. Would you agree with that? I mean, we saw the snow coming down, but what was the biggest danger and still is? Black ice, right there, there it is. Anybody have any testimonies of that? Let me give you one. So, so I'm, I'll be honest with you, I have a little attitude about this storm. I thought it was fun, but I thought, man, they are overblowing this thing. And I laughed at South Carolinians, to be honest with you, Charlestonians driving around, you know, like five miles an hour and, you know, this kind of, all this. And I'm like, I, you know, I grew up in this stuff. I know how to do it. And so I was on, getting on an on-ramp onto 526, and I got to the part where you normally accelerate, and I accelerated a little bit. I didn't see the black ice. And so I have my wife and one of my kids in the car, and suddenly we're pointed a different direction. We're pointed this way. And my daughter goes, Dad, what are you doing? I said, I got it, I'm fine. You know? But while I'm looking this direction, I look down into the marsh, and apparently somebody else had experienced the exact same thing and just abandoned their car there. How many of you saw abandoned cars all over? Some of them were probably yours, right? Well, I, I got it back, I got it back, and then I was just a lot less cocky, a bit more humble uh, in driving and uh, re recognized that, that what you don't see is the biggest threat to where you're going. Now, here's what I would say. What's the biggest threat to your current well-being? To your current well-being? Stuff you don't see. What I wanna do for the next few minutes, I wanna do a little Bible study from Ephesians chapter four that I think is very applicable to what we've been through and what we're gonna go through in this coming year. Look at this scripture, Ephesians four and verse 17. It says, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying, this is important, Seacoast. I'm gonna tell you this, and I'm gonna insist on it. So don't blow this one by. This one's important, he says. Look what he says. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Who are the Gentiles? Now, specifically, you've got Jews and Gentiles, but he's speaking to the church here. So he's using Gentiles as kind of a, a, a word for everybody that's outside. The, the, the way you used to live, the past. You can't live as the Gentiles do, he says, in the futility, say futility, of their thinking. Here's the biggest threat to you this year. It's the biggest threat in your marriage. It's the biggest threat in your business, okay? It's the biggest threat in your family, whatever you do, it's futile thinking, futile thinking. Most of life is lived between the ears. Most ideas, almost all the ideas are created in here. Where you're going depends on what you're thinking. And he says that you can't live in the futility of your thinking. It's, it's black eyes, okay? And then he goes on and he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, your futile thinking, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. In other words, I think this is a good thing, but it's really not a good thing. It's deceitful. It's lying to me. But I, you know, I, I, I want to try it. I want to do it. I want to keep doing it. Whatever. I've got a desire for it. But it's deceitful. Okay? It's like Krispy Kreme with the light on when you drive by. I think it's the Holy Spirit, but it's actually a deceitful desire. You understand? Are we on the same page right now? That one just came to me. That must have been inspired. Okay, here we go. To be made new in what? In your attitude. Attitude's everything. Attitude's everything. Attitude's going to get you there or keep you behind. Okay? Attitude's everything. And he says, you're to be made new in the attitude of your minds to be put on the new self created to be like God. You were created to think like God. Be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so, so that's what um, futile thinking is gonna, is gonna destroy you. You gotta be made new in your attitude. What are the, what's the black ice patches that I need to be careful of in life? And the scripture lists four of them. Let's see if we can get through them. Number one are hidden lies. It's black ice, hidden lies. Look what he says about hidden lies. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Some of you have got a checklist. You're going to check. I'm good with that. I don't lie to my neighbors. I don't lie to anybody. I, tell, I shoot square. I tell the truth. And I would say there are probably very few of us that go next door and knock on the door and just tell a bold, bold-faced lie. That's, that's what your kids do. You don't do that. But let's, let's, let's define neighborhood. Who are, who's our neighbor? That's everybody. It's the person that's sitting next to you right now at church. But they said, how you doing? And you just lied to them. Doing great. <laughs> and you're not. It's the cubicle at work next to you. The one that you bragged to this week about... You made yourself look better than you. No, that's Facebook, where you make yourself look better than you really are, especially if you touch up your pictures before you put them on. <laughs> You're lying to your neighbor. Okay, it's 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 the people in your family. It's whatever is we when we exaggerate our accomplishments and denigrate somebody else's, and we do that. You know, they're in competition with us, and so maybe we, you know, maybe we overtly do it and just say how bad they are. Here in the South, we do it covertly. Oh, bless their little heart. You know, they're just <laughs> wonderful. But, what are, but you're lying to your neighbor. And I would say that lying is an inside job, that you can never learn not to lie to your neighbor until you learn what the truth is yourself. And this is important because this is hidden ice. If you don't get anything else in this message, listen to this. This, this is so important. Um, have you ever had thoughts like, you know, I, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm too old to start something new. I'm too young. Nobody will listen to me. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I hate this time of the year because everybody's talking about change. I could never change. I've tried it in the past. I, I've made resolutions. I've done all that stuff. It just doesn't work for me. There's something different about me, and it's wrong. It's inherently wrong. 
I'll never recover from this. You know, life is kind of miserable and it's just probably not going to change. You ever heard voices like that? See, see, that's just because you think it doesn't make it true. And people who lie are people who are insecure in who they are and in themselves. In fact, there's a great scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension, and I would argue that the arguments and pretensions are those voices that say you can't, you'll never, you're not good enough. We demolish those that set itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What that says is that every thought that you think isn't necessarily true. And we're not just supposed to think them and act on them, we're supposed to strain them through this strainer of what would God say, what is God saying to me, what has God said about me, capture it and make it only, only listen and believe the truth. This used to be a major, major stronghold in my life. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Now, I can't tell you that it's never a temptation because it is. I'm human just like anybody else. But it used to be a major, major stronghold. Um, I, it first kind of manifested itself uh, when, when I first became a pastor. Um, I... I uh, went to a small town in northern Illinois, and it, kind of the process, I talked about this before, and I talk in several different settings, I don't remember what all I've said. If you've heard it before, it's really good. You can hear it again. Um, I'd, I'd been fired from my third job as a youth pastor, and I figured out that's not my destiny. I'm pretty bright like that to go, that's probably, let's not try four times. And I felt like I had a calling from God to be a pastor, and so I went to a small town in central Illinois, and uh, they had an election process where you would preach on Sunday and then they would vote, kind of like American Idol versus Survivor. You know, they can vote you off the island before you ever get on it, that kind of thing. And so I preached, there were nine people. Tell your neighbor, that's not a big church, okay? There were nine people there that day and they voted unanimously, no! That'll help you, okay? And so the next week, we went to another little church, a lot bigger. They had 13 members. And 11 of them voted yes to abstentions. So I spent the next year trying to figure out who didn't vote for me, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so we moved in there, and it was January 1978, maybe, or 79. I think it was 79. If you look it up, that was the coldest winter uh, on record in Illinois up to that point. And... Uh, you know, the problem with the storm that we just went through is not the snow, it's the fact that it's never warmed up, for goodness sake. This is Charleston. What's up with that? I mean, it's 26 degrees right now. Just before I came out, it's 26 degrees. That's the coldest it normally ever gets. But it's stayed there, and so it doesn't melt, and it's only going to get up to about 37 today. And, but tomorrow it's 60, so it'll be gone, and we'll be golfing by Friday, okay? It's not a problem. <laughs> It's not a problem. Well, in northern Illinois, we got 110 inches of snow that year, and the temperature from January until March never got above 32. You figure that one out. That was miserable, absolute miserable. You talk about cabin fever. It's cabin fever. 
And then I'd only preach three sermons in my life to adults. I'd always preach to youth kids, and apparently I wasn't that good at that. I'd been fired three times. <laughs> so I had three sermons. I preached the first one on Sunday morning, the second one on Sunday night, and the third one on Wednesday night, because we had church all three times. And then I thought, what am I going to preach now? You know, what am I going to preach now? And so it was a struggle for me. It was a real struggle for me. And then on top of that, I had uh, this one farmer. I told you this story. I, this farmer, uh, I used to stand at the back and shake hands with people as they were leaving. And, and this farmer says to me one, one week, he says, hey, he says, you know, I really like you. But for the life of me, I, I have no clue what you were trying to say today. And, uh, you know, that, that'll bless you too. And especially because I felt the same way he did. It, this one just didn't go anywhere. You know, it looked good on paper, but I had no idea. It kind of got lost, and it was just a mess. And that's why I don't stand at the door anymore and shake hands. They just don't do that. <laughs> the guy, the guy came up to me being funny afterwards. He said, you know, you're still a terrible speaker, but he said, I come back week after week after week hoping it's going to get better. But it, whatever. <laughs> and so... And so, and, and so I, started, I started thinking thoughts. I can't do this. We've made a mistake. I had a great job for Hewlett Packard, making good money back in the day. I made a mistake. Brought my family out here to middle of nowhere, a little farming community. It's a different culture than I'm used to. I, these people deserve better than this. I really know who I am. I'm not that good. Not only speaking-wise, but just as a human being. And it got worse and worse. And then I thought about that church that nine people had said no, and I said, what intelligence they had. They were, I should have listened to them. You know, and on and on and on. Those types of things. I just want to quit. And it, it got so bad, I got, I got discouraged, and then I got depressed. The kind of depression you can't even get out of bed for. I've never had that in my life. And I can remember about six months into it, getting in a car and going to St. Louis, Missouri to visit my dad, stopping in Lincoln, Illinois, I'll never forget it, in a little restaurant, and Debbie and I and Jason, that was our family at that point, and he's a little baby, and, and we're not making any money, and we're just it's, just, it's terrible. And I started crying in the, in the restaurant, just crying. My wife said, what are you gonna do? And I said, we're gonna quit. We're gonna, we're gonna we don't even have to go back. We don't have that much. We're gonna go down to Dad's, spend a few days, we'll go back to Colorado. And they said I could have my, my job back. I'll, I'll build computers. And, uh, and I'll never forget that. And it came from right here. It came from thoughts, hidden lies, hidden lies. I thought they were the truth. I didn't know you didn't have to believe everything you thought. You know how I got out of it? The Word of God, especially the book of Philippians, and a small team of people who had faith for me when I didn't have faith for myself. You know, we have prayer teams along the walls at every service. And I tell you at the end of service, you can go pray with them. And sometimes you don't feel like you have any faith and it's okay because we got people that have faith for you to loan you. And I had a team that loaned me their faith and I figured out how to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And here's what I learned is that Jesus is the voice of more. He is. He's for me, not against me. He's heavily invested in my success. If I would have walked away so many years ago in Freeport, Illinois, I probably would be making good computers today, but I would never have experienced this. 
Never have experienced helping to plant 760 churches, soon to be 2,000 churches. And the only difference, yeah, the only difference between being stuck there and being here was futile thinking. It was hidden lies. It wasn't true. And can I tell you that there are a lot of people in life, you'll meet them this year, who will tell you what you cannot do, what you cannot be, what you cannot have. Listen to me closely. Jesus is not one of those voices. He is the voice of more. So when you hit hidden lies and ice, what you do is you ask yourself a question, who told you that? Get people around you who will do that. We have that in the office. People, when, when we slip up and we submit to temptation of thinking the wrong things, they'll say, who told you that? That doesn't sound like Jesus. Put horns on it, buddy. Put horns on it. Chip helps me to do that. So, man, that's good preaching, but I've got a whole message left. <laughs> we'll just skip through this next stuff. <laughs> All right. Second one is frozen anger. Frozen anger. Look at what uh, black ice, frozen anger. In your anger, it says do not sin. How many of you get angry? Anybody get angry? Yes. It's not a problem. What's the problem? When you sin in your anger, why is that a problem? Here's how you do it. You let the sun go down while you're still angry. You know, when is the most dangerous time in this storm is when the sun went down. You couldn't see the black ice. The, it froze. It froze. Well, it says here, Anger's like that. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and, hear, and, and do not give the devil a foothold, all right? So here's what we do. We don't deal with anger properly and I'm, I'm not gonna get into that. I don't have time to preach that whole thing. That'll be another sermon this year, I'll guarantee you. We'll do a whole deal on anger. But uh, when you don't deal with it properly, it becomes frozen. And when it becomes frozen, here's what you do. You invite the most evil, vile force in the universe into your relationship. I, I think about that when I'm angry at Debbie. Anybody ever angry at your spouse? Oh, come on, you are too. I know it's gonna cost you to raise your hand, but don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But when I'm angry, I wanna deal with it properly because if I don't, I invite the most vile, evil force in the universe into my marriage into your friendships, into your business. And so here's the question on that. How much evil am I willing to invite into my relationships? You need to ask yourself that. When you're, when you're angry and you're gonna bury it, you're holding a grudge, how much evil are you gonna, willing to invite into your relationships? Fatalistic apathy is the third kind of black ice. Look, look at this, fatalistic apathy. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands. Why do people steal? Why do they steal? There's a lot of reasons for that. I think one of the biggest ones is somebody's, it's a sign that somebody has given up on working within the system. Somebody has just kind of given up. They, they, they steal, they, they've given up. And it says that they may have something to share with those in need. Maybe they've given up on being productive or this is a painful time of the year. You know, people are setting goals, resolutions. Doesn't work for me. You know, I've tried. They just throw up their hands. Things won't be much different 
this year, why try? Here's the truth. God has a destiny for you. We talked about that before. God has a purpose for you and a destiny for you. And guess what? It's not all about you. In fact, very little of it is. He knows the address where you live. Acts 16 tells you that. He knows the times you would live, the place you would live. He knows, and he has a purpose for you, and that purpose has to do with other people. Look at this. It says, why don't they, why, why not steal? Why not just be idle? Because you need to do something so that you'll have something to share with those in need. And God's got people in need all around you. Some are, some are in financial need. Some of them are in relational need. Some of them are in emotional need. He's got you there for a purpose. There's a destiny. You can't be apathetic. You've got to say, I'm going to go after it this year. I want to be all that God has for me, for my kids, for the people I work with, for the people who are around me. I see spots. All right. So the question there is, when I'm tempted to quit, how hard am I willing to work for it? How hard am I willing to work for it? Okay? Let me give you one more, and that's careless words. Careless words, look at this. They're, they're black eyes. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. How much unwholesome talk is supposed to come out? It's a zero tolerance policy, for goodness sakes. So, well, what would I talk about then? <laughs> Nothing, maybe. <laughs> Nothing would be better than something when something is negative. Would you agree with that? He says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The only purpose for talk coming out of your mouth is for other people, and it's to be helpful and beneficial. That's it, zero tolerance. My goodness, how do you do, how do, you do that? You know, this piece of black ice, you can, you can be the black ice to send somebody else into a tailspin. Anybody ever done that to you? Careless word? You can do it to other people? Yeah. Zero tolerance. What if we all made that for resolution? Let me talk to you about resolution just a second. I, I gotta be done. I'm not making year-long resolutions. I get bored with them in like March. So, so I'm gonna do short sprints. Short sprints. I've already got them written out. Short sprints. Here's a sprint that we could do together. Okay, whether you are aware of it or not, we, every year, at the beginning of the year, we do a 21-day fast. It started on Thursday. We were gonna have a big first Wednesday and all that, and we didn't, weren't able to do it. And that's all right. You can join today, whatever you wanna do. Fast whatever you want to. Um, some people fast social media. Some people fast television. Some people fast food. Uh, Daniel fast. You can, you can look up fast, Google fast, and you get all the information that you need to on it. But one of the things I thought was, what if we decided on these kind of hidden ice things? What if we said, like this one, let's take this one, let no corrupt communication. I don't know if I can do that for a year, okay? I, maybe I could do it for 21 days. Maybe that's my fast is corrupt communication. And then I would say, for the next 21 days, it's a zero tolerance policy in this area. How many of you would join me in that? Anybody? Okay, three people right over here. Okay, we're gonna hang around. The entire Columbia campus, they, all of them raise their hand. God bless you, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, what if you took short sprint and said, you know what, I'm gonna test this out, see how it does, right? So here's the question, how helpful is what I'm getting ready to say? How helpful is what I'm getting ready to say? So there's four kind of 
black ice areas that we can look at. And let me just close with this. It just takes a few small shifts to get you safely through the storm. Just a few small shifts to get you safely through. We learned that in this storm. What did they tell us to do? Drip your faucets. Yeah. How many of you, your faucet looked more like this? You forgot to drip it. Okay. Yeah. And you paid a consequence on that. They said layer up. That's, that was fun to watch because we don't have clothes to layer up. I watched some of you. I love people watching. Some of you went to the closet, grabbed four shirts, didn't matter if they matched or not, but you're gonna put them on because you're gonna be warm. It's layering for you, all right? Easy stuff. And slow down and look for ways to enjoy the journey. Slow down and look for ways to enjoy the journey. This week was kind of fun, wasn't it? Uh, you, uh, w- with the kids, you did all kinds of stuff. This is my grandkids right here. Uh, my, my psycho daughter-in-law, who's sitting on the front row right now, thought, hey, let's make this a ski jump. And so the front porch, and then, and then if that wasn't bad enough, hey, let's put a little jump right here. And so this is my four-year-old, just turned four-year-old grandson, and here he is at the bottom of that whole deal. Now, their neighbors got a boogie board and skied down the thing. I want you to pray for wisdom in that neighborhood. But anyway, <laughs> it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun. So in life, not all the... It's, it, it's not the big things. It's small shifts that will get you safely through the storm. It's just small shifts. It's things like acknowledging that I am called by God. Look at this verse. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You are called by God. That's why you're here today. God wants more for you this year, okay? Acknowledge your calling. Admit your need for help. You know, that's... I love Matthew 7. It says, keep on asking. If you need help, you'll you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. You'll find. This is going to be the year of finding. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everybody who asks, receives. What a promise. Everybody who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Either that's true or the Bible lies. And I believe it's true. You just got to ask. Ask God. Press in. Ask God for help. Adjust your speed to match current conditions. Be still and know that I am God. That's what we're doing during the fast. Just taking some time to go, you know what, instead of watching that TV program, I'm going to just seek God during that time. Instead of spending all the time on Facebook, this month I'm going to seek God. Be still and know that I am God. And this is so important. Enlist a team help you get where you're going. See, God has a destiny for you, a purpose for you. He wants you to be successful in the kingdom this year. I believe that. God is for us, not against us. And it's not going to be a solo journey. He's got a team for you. It's going to take a team. Take a look at this. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. That's the goal, helping each other succeed. That's why we need a zero-tolerance policy for condemning language, because that doesn't help anybody succeed. We want to build them up, build them up, build them up, build them up. God wants you to succeed this year, and it's going to take a team to help. Two can help each other. Look at this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I love when Jesus said, where there's any two or three among you, or any two or three gathered in my name. I'm there in your midst. That sounds like a small group is what that is. That's what it is. It's just a team of people 
that will help you grow. And you, you need that. If you're dealing with any of those four kind of black ice things, or for the storms that are going to be coming up, or just to get better in some areas, you need a team. You came in the, on the right weekend. This is small group uh, connect weekend, connect weekend. And your campus pastor is going to tell you how to get connected here. There are so many ways. There's groups for men and women and singles and married and don't want to be married and uh, divorce care and grief share. Grief share is one of my favorite ones. Last night, had a family come down and said, you know what? We lost our father this past week, unexpectedly. And we're going we're gonna to sign up for grief share. We need to under, you'll find people that will help you on and on and on. There are a lot of ways to get connected. You can go out in the foyer as soon as we're done. There'll be tables of people that will connect you. If you want to take the easiest way, just text the word connect to 320-320. Ephesians 320 is what we end the service with every week. And so you just put connect, text 320-320. That's all you got to do. And we'll help you get connected. You need a team. You need a team. So I'm done. What does making a shift look like for you? Maybe you need to get after the right equipment. Or maybe for you, it's, it's just making a, one of those icy patches. Which one's most likely to spin you out? Is it truth? Is it anger? Is it laziness? Apathy? Is it words? Let's pray and ask God to help us this year. God, I thank you today for this wonderful group. And God, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done among us today as we just lay our lives before you, as we ask you or invite you into our lives, into areas of our lives that are difficult and sometimes embarrassing. But we want success, success in the kingdom, success in our lives, how you define it. So God, we invite you in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.